You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back with another episode of Locked on Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Pepsi made for football watching and we return here it is game day here in Baltimore as the Ravens are set to take on the Dallas Cowboys on Tuesday night football in their week 13 matchup Kevin Ostriker here with you and unfortunately Spencer Schultz and I have not been able to find times to record Spencer's been busy I've been busy and it's just been difficult especially with everything that's been going on with the Ravens with how the weeks have been out of whack so it'll just be me today here on Taco Tuesday but boy, do we have stuff to talk about today. And in this first segment, I want to dedicate it to the state of the AFC North as it stands right now. Because the big, big storyline of yesterday for Ravens fans, AFC North fans, even AFC fans, is that the Pittsburgh Steelers lose their first game. They fall to 11-1 with a 23-17 loss to the Washington football team. And Washington is one of those teams where, yeah, ball Baltimore was able to beat them. That was with Dwayne Haskins at the helm, but still, this team in Washington is one that is very, very sneaky good, and they did it without Antonio Gibson, who was injured on the first drive for Washington. So Pittsburgh, they fall to 11-1. and So we'll get into how the AFC North is looking right now, who are the challengers, who, who are the ones who are not so sturdy anymore, who, who is a little bit less intimidating than they were a few weeks ago, who are the pretenders, who are the contenders, and more. And then we'll also talk about some stuff relating to Stan in that AFC North and how that actually relates over to next season for the Baltimore Ravens. And then in the second and third segments, it's game day. We have to get into our game day preview of this Baltimore and Dallas game. We'll be doing what we usually do here. In the second segment, we'll be talking about the Ravens offense going up against that Dallas defense. And then in the final segment, we'll be talking about that Ravens defense going up against Dallas's offense. So with all that being said, let's just jump right into this AFC North talk. But before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Enter there's a podcast where they're waiting for you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KOstrecker34 for any news, analysis, updates, injury reports, transaction news, game updates, live tweeting, and anything else you can imagine about the Baltimore Ravens. So with all that being said... We're going to jump right in here, starting off with the state of the AFC North. And I think we have to first start off, yes, the Pittsburgh Steelers lose. They fall to 11-1. and But that doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things for the Ravens, at least. They have already been eliminated from AFC North contention, the AFC North title contention, I should say. The Ravens, even if they win all their remaining games, they win their last five, and the Steelers lose their last four because they're now 11-1, and they would be tied in terms of record. They'd both be 11-5, and five, but the Steelers having beaten the Ravens twice, that would have the head-to-head tiebreaker. So Baltimore at this point, regardless of how badly the Steelers play, how well the Ravens play, they're still fighting for a wild card spot, and that is going to be what ends up happening. That's their end to the playoffs. It is the wild card spot. 
The team who does have a shot at the AFC North still is the Cleveland Browns. They stand at 9-3 and three after their first 12 games. And this is interesting. This is really interesting. I kind of talked about this a bit yesterday. In terms of the Ravens and where they can finish, they can actually finish second in the AFC North. And you look at the records, you see Baltimore with five losses and Cleveland with three. You say, yeah, well, if Cleveland loses their games and Baltimore wins theirs, of course. But the easiest path, we'll talk about the easiest path first for Baltimore to actually leapfrog Cleveland in the standings and get second in the North is if they beat the Browns coming up on Monday night in week 14 and then also have the Browns lose to the Steelers in week 17. So if the Browns end up doing that, they'd be 11-5. If Baltimore wins the remainder of their games, they'd also be 11-5. But since Baltimore beat Cleveland in week one, and in this scenario would beat them again in week 14, that would be their path, their easy path to jump over Cleveland and actually get the number two spot in the AFC North and have a higher seed than Cleveland come playoff time. But here's how looking ahead to next year kind of impacts this. Let's say that Baltimore does end up finishing third. As the standings stand right now, looking ahead to what Baltimore's schedule would be, the Ravens would have to play the third place teams in the AFC East and the AFC South because the whole AFC North is playing the AFC West next season. So Baltimore is locked in to play the Kansas City Chiefs, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Denver Broncos, and the Los Angeles Chargers, as is the rest of the North. But the way it works is that where you finish in the standings the previous year, for the rest of the AFC divisions that your division does not play, so in this example, the AFC East and the AFC South, you have to play the other teams that finish in that slot. So right now, the Ravens would be finishing in third place. In the AFC East, that would be the New England Patriots, who Baltimore has to go up against. And then the AFC South, that would be the Houston Texans. Now, let's say Baltimore jumps up to number two. They would be playing the Miami Dolphins instead of the New England Patriots in the AFC East and then the Indianapolis Colts as it stands right now instead of the Houston Texans. That has the potential to flip-flop to Tennessee. And in the AFC East, it has the potential to flip-flop to the Buffalo Bills if all things go well for Miami and bad for Buffalo. But at the end of the day here, the Ravens, I think personally, if I was the Baltimore Ravens, I would say, well, I kind of want to play the Colts and the Dolphins instead of the Patriots and the Texans. We all know the talent that those two teams have. Really good talent on the field for both teams. Deshaun Watson, amazing. The Texans have a bunch of playmakers. And then you have the Patriots who have Bill Belichick in there amazing talent and they're going to get a lot of guys back who opted out from this season so I'd rather play a second year quarterback into a Tagvailoa I'd rather play Philip Rivers whoever's going to be quarterbacking the Indianapolis Colts next season or Tennessee and get another shot at revenge for that playoff game but the Ravens can control what they can control if they can win their next five games it would go a long way in putting them in great playoff position. It'd go a long way in making sure that maybe their schedule is a bit easier for next season than it would be if they finish in a certain spot. So again, this, the standings are still very fluid. It's not like Baltimore's looking to win or lose because they want to play a certain team. That's not what's going on here. Baltimore, again, it's just go 1-0 and every single week. And I think a big takeaway, we'll go back to Pittsburgh here for a second. A big takeaway is that Chase Young and Montez Sweat, they already kind of knew that they were going to go out there and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the reason is because they said, Chase Young said, I believe, he said, 
the Ravens exposed some things. Baltimore exposed some things last week. And look, the Steelers, there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They got the win, but they had a lot of trouble beating a band of Ravens backups who, for the record, the Ravens have good depth. So of course, they're going to put up a fight. This is a team that has no quit in them. But at the same time, the Ravens only practiced, I believe it was twice in 10 days. They did not have time to get a lot of sync with each other. Guys who, you know, the Ravens called up like 10 guys from their practice squad. So seeing that Pittsburgh had trouble moving the ball inside the red zone, they had trouble with drops, they had trouble stopping the run. The, the football team kind of got in there and said, yeah, we can do this. We can beat this Pittsburgh Steelers team. And that they did. So right now the Pittsburgh Steelers are 11-1. The Cleveland Browns 9-3. The Baltimore Ravens 6-5. And, and the Cincinnati Bengals are 2-9-1. And, and moving forward, Baltimore has plenty of paths to the playoffs, plenty of paths to the second spot in the AFC North. But one thing's for certain, and that's that they need to win all of their games to have a shot at what they want. And that is a berth to the 2020 playoffs and potentially second place in the AFC North. We're going to head into our first break now, but when we get back, we'll be getting into our full game day preview of Cowboys at Ravens. So stay tuned for that and we will be right back. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports, parents fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football, but instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Pepsi, made for football watching. And we return here with our second segment of this Lockdown Ravens Game Day Edition episode on Tuesday. Kevin Oshiker, your host, still here with you. And let's just dive right in to this game day preview, starting off with the offense, Baltimore's offense, going up against the Dallas Cowboy defense. And a big point that I made yesterday is the fact that the Dallas Cowboys rank last in yards per game given up on the ground. This defense has been the weak point for Dallas throughout the entire season and even coming into the year. It wasn't like Dallas's defense was expected to be this top 10, top 5 unit. There were holes in it, but it just got so much worse because they've had guys in and out of the lineup. There have been guys who were expected to be huge contributors who didn't end up doing that or at least haven't so far through the first 12 weeks. So maybe in week 13 against Baltimore, they start, but I I wouldn't bank on it. The Ravens need to run this football. Plain and simple, if I don't see at least 30, 35 carries in this game, it'll be a bad day for the Ravens. I think they need to establish their dominance on the ground. But again, they can't rely, They can't run the ball every single play for the entirety of the game as we've seen before. That just doesn't work. It's not a strategy that works because we saw, again, against Pittsburgh that the Ravens did that, right? They were not able to pass the ball effectively. They said, all right, we're going to do what we do best. We're going to run the football. And eventually Pittsburgh was like, okay, you're actually getting some yards on us on the ground. So what we're going to do is we're going to stack the box and literally make you throw the football. And the big storyline in this game against Dallas is that Lamar Jackson was activated off of the COVID list. He will be eligible to play in this one. And, and I would be shocked if he did not play in this one. He participated in practice on Sunday. He participated in the walkthrough on Monday. So again, all good signs and nothing's a guarantee, but 
I would bet some money that Lamar Jackson would suit up in this one. This is a big game for the Ravens. Every game going forward is a big game for this Ravens team. Lamar Jackson on the year, 1,948 yards, 15 touchdowns, passing six interceptions, also has three touchdowns on the ground while leading the Ravens with 575 rushing yards. So Lamar Jackson is obviously the big key in this one. He will be without Mark Andrews. He will be without Willie Sneed. So he'll have to rely on guys like Marquise Brown, who had a big 70-yard touchdown catch against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Can he build off of that success? He'll be relying on Des Bryant, who he showed good chemistry with in the game against Tennessee, where Bryant secured four catches for 28 yards. Devin Duvernay, James Prochet potentially getting some more snaps in there. Miles Boykin, will he make an appearance? So the Ravens are going to have to, you know, without Willie Sneed in there, without Mark Andrews, will Luke Wilson be a big target for Lamar Jackson? Will maybe Eric Tomlinson or Sean Culkin get the call up from the practice squad again? And the Ravens will see some three tight end sets. Patrick Ricard is back. Is he going to be a factor as a receiver? The Ravens pass game, it's going to be a lot better than it was against Pittsburgh. I mean, it can't be much worse than it was against Pittsburgh, save for that Chase McSorley, Marquise Brown 70-yard touchdown. But at the end of the day, the Ravens can't solely rely on their run game. But at the same time, we've seen a lot of bad play calls by Greg Roman on first down. Roman has gotten a lot of flack this season. I don't think he's been deserving of all of it. He's definitely deserving of some of it. But again, this is something where the Ravens, they seemingly get three yards on first down or two yards on first down or they lose yards on first down. And that just hinders an offense because you would love to see your offense in, I don't know, a second and five, a second and four, those are decently mid-yard situations where you can go out there and you can fake out a defense with a play-action pass because they think you're going to run it to get into a third and short situation or even a first down. You know, it's stuff like that, the little things, the big difference between a second and nine and a second and three. Those things are huge. And so if Baltimore is going to want to make noise throughout the rest of the regular season in this game against Dallas, for example, or make noise in the playoffs— they're going to have to make sure that they can run or pass or do whatever effectively on first down. That's going to be a big key here. But looking at the run game, a little bit of a zoomed in look at the run game, I'll say. Let's take a look at J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins missed the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers due to the coronavirus. He was actually eligible to play, but ultimately the Ravens decided that both he and Mark Ingram would not play due to lack of practice time. Maybe they weren't healthy, this, that, and the other. Dobbins is currently second on the team in yards per carry behind Lamar Jackson with guys who have a minimum carry total of 50. So you have Lamar Jackson with 5.6 yards per carry on 103 attempts, and then you have J.K. Dobbins with a 5.3 yards per carry average on 72 attempts. Dobbins seemingly was just coming into his own against the Tennessee Titans. He was the workhorse back against the Tennessee Titans, and I think that it should continue against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I think we're not going to see that quote-unquote workhorse thing go on for Dobbins. So much so as we saw in the Tennessee game, Dobbins got literally most of the workload while Gus Edwards and, and Mark Ingram and Justice Hill pretty much had no carries on the whole day. That's probably not going to happen. The Ravens just went with game flow. They went with the person who had the hot hand and, you know, that's really as they should. They shouldn't get a guy out of their flow. We saw a couple times and we've seen it throughout the season where you know, Dobbins has been visibly frustrated after coming out of the game because he feels like he's been playing well enough in that particular instance to go out there and earn more snaps. And I completely agree with that. Baltimore, I think, 
is kind of infatuated with the fact that they have so many good runners, and they should be. It's, it's a good thing to have. But they can't overanalyze that and say, yeah, well, if we split the workload this way, they'll be well-rested for this. Well, you can't be well-rested for anything in January if you're not in the playoffs in January. So you got to utilize your best guys on the field. And I think Baltimore is going to do that with Dobbins. Dobbins, again, has insane balance, great elusiveness, is able to bounce off of defenders, a good pass catcher as well. Baltimore just has to take advantage of the fact that Dallas's front seven right now is not very good. Their secondary is also banged up. Not having Mark Andrews and Willis Need in there, and you know, you can go back to Nick Boyle and Ronnie Stanley as well and some other guys that were injured, but it's going to be a little bit tougher than it would have been if the Ravens were completely healthy. But I still have confidence after seeing what they did against Pittsburgh, after seeing that stout, good defense kind of struggle a bit in the run game while still the Ravens had no pass game in that one. It was a very encouraging sign because getting Lamar Jackson back in this one, again, I think the Pittsburgh game showed just how much Lamar Jackson, one, means to the Ravens, but two, how much he has actually improved as a passer. So we'll see a lot of, I think, passing from Lamar Jackson, maybe in the early stages, but at the end of the day, the definite, definite key in this one is to run the football, and you can't do that without some work from your offensive line. And in this one, there are a bunch of different combinations the Ravens could go with for their offensive line. Now, the one I would prefer to see is a line of Orlando Brown at left tackle, Bradley Bozeman at left guard, Justin Colon-Castillo at center, Brent Powers at right guard, and Patrick McCarry at right tackle. I would also be okay with Will Holden at that spot. And I would also be fine if the Ravens decided, well, you know, Tristan Colon Castillo, he's still a rookie. We're going to not put him in big spots like that unless we really have to. So they move Patrick McCarry back to center and then have, let's say, Will Holden at right tackle. Okay, like I can deal with that. The guys who I do not want on the field for the Ravens, I feel like it would be a hindrance, are Matt Skura and DJ Fluker. I just don't think those two have played well enough this season to warrant more playing time. I get they're savvy veterans. I get they've been around the team and around the league and this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, especially for a team that's been as injury-ravaged as this Baltimore Ravens team, you have to put your five guys out there that are the best guys on your line. And we've seen Patrick McCarry play well at tackle. We've seen Patrick McCarry play well at center. We have not seen Matt Skura play well at center. We have barely seen good play out of DJ Fluker all season long. You have to adapt with the guys you have, and I think that the Ravens are going to do that. It's just a matter of, are they going to be able to trust those young guys? The Ravens have a history, a long history, of not giving rookies a lot of playing time unless they absolutely have to. Patrick Queen, a prime example of that. The Ravens barely have anybody at the inside linebacker position outside of LJ Fort, so you're going to have to give snaps to guys like Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison. But, for example, guys like Devin Duvernay and James Prochet on a team that was lacking wide receiver quality, but at the end of the day, the quantity on the team with Sneed and Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin, Duvernay and Prochet were barely getting any snaps at the beginning of the season, and now we're slowly seeing them get worked into the offense. So, I think the offensive line, I mean, they they are the key. The offensive line, it starts up front. They have to have a good game. It's imperative to get the run game going and also to get the pass game going. If the five I listed a bit earlier are on the field, I think Baltimore's going to have a great shot to win this game early. And again, if the Ravens can get up by two possessions and force Andy Dalton to throw into that secondary, we'll talk about that in the final segment coming up here, but it's going to be big because it just makes an offense, an opposing offense, one-dimensional because you're doing things so well on your offensive side of the ball that at the end of the game, you can just run the clock out and that'll be that. So I think Baltimore's offense is going to have a good day, 
but they have to be able to, one, get into better situations yardage-wise on first down, and two, they have to convert on the third downs. They have not been a great third down team this year, and we've seen kind of some Marty Morningweg type plays where it'll be a third and nine, and we'll see like a three-yard out or a five-yard out or a slant route that gets tackled three yards before the sticks. It's just plays like those that I just don't understand. Sure, you get the yards for a better punt, but, you know, go for the first down. I think Baltimore has to be better in those aspects, and if they do that, it'll be a good day on offense for Baltimore. We're going to head into our final break now, and when we get back, we'll be flipping the field and getting into the Ravens' defense going up against the Dallas Cowboys' offense, so stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. Break through your wall, whether it's a mental or physical wall. Break through it with Go every day. Be sure to visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. And we are back with our final segment of this game day edition of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Oshak, your host, still here with you. And let's flip the field. Let's talk about Baltimore's defense going up against the Dallas Cowboys and their offense. Now, for the Cowboys, this offense was supposed to be the saving grace of this team. The best part of the Dallas Cowboys was supposed to be that offense. They certainly had the talent to be one of the top offensive teams in the league. Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper. They had Michael Gallup. They drafted Ravens target CeeDee Lamb in the first round. Blake Jarwin, a very underrated tight end. But this team has been just depleted by injury. And it all starts with Dak Prescott, who suffered a gruesome injury very early in the season. That promising tight end in Blake Jarwin suffered a torn ACL in week one when they played the Los Angeles Rams. The offensive line, who had absolute stalwarts such as Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, guys who were supposed to be big contributors, they go down with injuries. And so the Cowboys, I believe the stat is they will have one starting offensive lineman from week one in their lineup. And this is where Baltimore has to take advantage. Andy Dalton certainly knows his way around the Baltimore defense, but to the opposite point, Baltimore knows their way around Andy Dalton because they played so many times in Cincinnati and even in Baltimore when Andy Dalton was a member of the Cincinnati Bengals. So this is, I think, to Baltimore's advantage. Baltimore is going to try to confuse Andy Dalton, send a lot of pressure. And the Cowboys, their offense isn't necessarily quick hitting. It's not like the Steelers, not like the Colts. This is an offense that I think better suits Baltimore's style of defense, which is send guys at the quarterback, create pressure, and also just make sure that the quarterback has to make the decision. This is what I was talking about really early in the year, even before the season started. Also, the Ravens and their defense, the goal was one, to be able to have a defense that, you know, it can help an offense when the offense is sputtering. And so far, we've seen that a couple times this year. But the bigger part for me, was if you're getting constant pressure on the quarterback, they have to make a decision of either scramble out of the pocket, potentially take a sack, or throw into that vaunted Ravens secondary that has guys like Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Deshaun Elliott, guys like that. Now in this one, it's up in the air whether Chuck Clark will play, Jimmy Smith, Tremont Williams, both not expected to play. So I think for Baltimore, getting pressure on Andy Dalton, making him make some bad decisions, 
that's going to be absolutely huge in this one. But another big part of this is stop the run game. We saw that, you know, in certain situations, Baltimore has made offenses one-dimensional in terms of either pass or run. And when the Ravens are fully healthy, when they have Calais Campbell and they have Brandon Williams and Derek Wolf in there as well, the Monstars, as the team would call them at the beginning of the season— this team is crazy hard to run against. I mean, they were one of the top rush defenses in the entire league. And now hopefully getting Calais Campbell back and Brandon Williams back, and they're hopefully both healthy as well. That's another big part of this. I think that the Baltimore Ravens can stop Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott has not been great this year. Backup Tony Pollard has looked a lot better. Ezekiel Elliott is averaging just 3.9 yards per carry. Tony Pollard is averaging five. Ezekiel Elliott also has five fumbles on the year. He is a fumble machine, and I think we all know who is the fumble machine on defense in the NFL, and that is Mr. Fruit Punch himself, Marlon Humphrey. Marcus Peters gets in on the action. This whole Ravens defense is ball extraction, and actually, it's, it's a good and a bad thing for me. If you watch the Ravens play, if you go back and watch tape, especially over the recent weeks, the Ravens prioritize ball extraction, getting the ball out, forcing turnovers, and that in itself is fine. I'm not opposed to that. But at the end of the day, when you go for the ball, that takes away from tackling, and we've seen guys bowl over Ravens defenders for extra yardage, for first down yardage. We've seen guys, you know, just go down with the football, and that that's what you want. You want guys to protect the football when you're ripping it away, you know, try to get down as fast as possible, ignore that extra yardage. But when you're going for the ball, it takes away from tackling, and it actually has made Baltimore's tackling performances very weak over the last couple of weeks. So for Baltimore, they're going to have to do better at tackling ball carriers, getting people down. We saw earlier in the season, let's go back to week week two, where the Ravens were getting pressure, but they weren't bringing down the quarterback. Baltimore was not able to sack Ben Roethlisberger once last week. Roethlisberger has not been sacked a lot in Pittsburgh this season. But I think it's like, look, the Cowboys have one healthy offensive lineman from week one. We've seen them dismantle teams like the Eagles and the Bengals, teams that have bad offensive lines. It's going to be big to get the Cowboys in those situations I was just talking about in the last segment that I would want Baltimore to avoid themselves, which is get them into second and long, second and tens. Maybe there's a sack on first down. You get second and 17. That's hard to come back from. And I think another big point of this is just penalties. We've seen Marlon Humphrey flag for a couple of defensive pass interference calls. We've seen bad roughing the passer calls, defensive holdings. So the Ravens have to play disciplined football. This Cowboys receiving core, again, Amari Cooper leads this team with 848 receiving yards. C.D. Lamb not far behind with 650 yards. Michael Gallup with 538. So this is a team that likes to throw the football and has the weapons to do so. And with the Ravens having Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, I think Devontae Harris is going to get a lot of playing time. Maybe Anthony Abert is activated for this game. Who knows? But the Ravens are going to have to make do with what they have, with Jimmy Smith most likely being out, with Tremont Williams most likely being out. So, you know, we'll see what ends up happening there. But Baltimore should have a good chance to win this game if they make the Cowboys a one-dimensional offense. Take away the run game, send pressure, and make sure that the Cowboys feel uncomfortable all day. That's the way that the Ravens are going to have to beat the Cowboys on the defensive side of the ball. Make Andy Dalton uncomfortable. Make him think a bit more. Make him overthink a bit. And maybe make a few bad throws into a secondary with Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, and all those ball hawks. So we'll see what ends up happening in this one. But I still think Baltimore wins this one by the final score of 27-20. to 20. Again, I think this is more like 
the Washington game, for example, where Washington scores a late touchdown at the end there, makes the score a bit closer than it actually was. I think that's the same situation we might have here with the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe Dallas puts one in the end zone at the very end or maybe kicks a field goal there to make it a 27-20 game. But I I think this is a game where the box score indicates more of a blowout than the actual final score does. I just think with the injuries Dallas has, with Baltimore finally getting healthy, getting Lamar Jackson back, this is a game that Baltimore should win. And it's honestly a situation where if they don't, it's very concerning and it honestly probably ends their season. I mean, a loss to Cleveland the next week would definitely end it, but it's just demoralizing. The team right now is on a three-game losing streak. They need this one. They know they need this one. And I think Baltimore is going to end up winning this one. That's all that I have for you today. When we get back here tomorrow, we're going to be getting into our game recap of Cowboys at Ravens. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.